0: If you're trying to make any kind of meaningful, effective change in your life, well, you have come to the right place because that is what my expert guests and I are here to help you do. Welcome to We're Talking Shift. This is the podcast where all we do is talk shift because when we're stuck and need to rise to a challenge, make a health shift a relationship or an emotional shift? Well, the first thing we have to shift, my friends, is our thinking. That is the antidote to feeling stuck. I'm Lori Bischoff, and I'm so glad you're here. Now, let's get busy. Good day, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another episode of We're Talking Shift. My special guest today is Mr. Alex Zek. And um, I'm really looking forward to talking with him about something that is happening a lot. It's been happening probably since the beginning of humanity, but it seems like it just gets worse. And that is generational family trauma. Uh, So we're going to talk a little bit about his experience with that and how he broke the cycle of it. And then um, I want to segue into a lot of the similarities that we're seeing playing out on a larger scale regarding some of the stuff going on in our world right now. So uh, before we dive in, let me tell you just a little bit about Alec. Uh, Alec Zek is a speaker, a writer. He's a holistic health advocate and a mind, body, spirit coach kind of like me in that way. And uh, he's a former army captain. He is also the executive director and founder of Health Freedom for Humanity, which is a nonprofit whose mission is to unite people from all walks of life under one common purpose, which is the reclamation and defense of health freedom. You all know how I feel about that. We've uh, talked about that before with Tommy John on this podcast. Alec is also the co-founder of the Way Forward podcast, which features conversations, interviews, panel discussions, and presentations. Which presentations? Blah. With uh, with some of the most prominent leaders in the mind, body, spirit, wellness, oneness, free thinking, individual sovereignty, and living in service to others category. <laughs> that was a mouthful. Welcome, Alex. thank you for having me yeah sorry about that (laughs) mouthful (laughs) well and i'm a little dehydrated because i've been drinking coffee all morning so
1: (laughs) all good i
0: understand trying to get it out so anyway thank you for uh for spending some time with us today because i know that you are highly sought after these days with all the all the things that you've got going on so i really appreciate your time
1: yeah thank you for having me it's a pleasure
0: yeah. So, um, you know, as I as I mentioned, I I really want to kind of tackle two main subjects today. And, um, oh, before I do that, I'm just going to say for listeners, if you're watching or listening, um, there's no rating on this. So you can be certain that there's probably going to be some F-bombs dropped here or there. So if you have okay. kids around, I'm just giving you fair warning right now. We do not edit our language on this podcast. So, there we go. That's good all for right. me to
1: know as well, because I always want to say something that I almost go, wait, can I, can I cut something here? Then... Can,
0: can I say that? Yes, you can. I'm a fan of it. So it's all good. Don't worry about it. We're just going to be real, right? Good. Sometimes I think it just helps to really drive home a point. Yep. <laughs> so I'm not worried about that. Okay. So, um, all right. Now I've named my, uh, disclaimer okay so these two subjects main subjects that I want to focus on today I think at first they may seem a little bit unrelated for those of you listening but um, but I think by the time we get to the end of this conversation um, you're gonna see the many similarities they'll they'll become more apparent as as we go so I think that the the form um, of the similarities is going to be different but the content is essentially the same and uh, I just, I feel like, I feel like everything that happens is kind of like a microcosm of a much bigger macrocosmic, you know, action. And I don't know about you, Alec, but I'm one of those people that when I look, when I'm outside walking around and I look down and I see a huge um, ant, an ant hill, I look at that and go, that's what we like from way up there we look like just this little tiny crazy mound of activity that seemingly makes no sense but we are busy as hell <laughs> in our on our ant hill right and yeah. so but i look at that and i think okay that's that's just so micro but that's how but that's how we are too and so i was listening to you um on somebody else's podcast recently and you said and you said something very similar which is why that stuck so much with me because it's so in alignment with the way i think and it was in regards to what you and and your family kind of went through and evolved out of and then talking about what's going on now so yeah. i uh yeah so i i think a great place to start would be um having you kind of give people that maybe aren't really familiar with this a definition of generational trauma. Who is, you know, what is it? Who is vulnerable to it? How is that different than, um, you know, like personal abuse between two people? Um, How does it present itself? And then we'll talk about, you know, your, your experience and probably your mom's too, because they're pretty entangled.
1: Yeah. uh, I guess the best way I could define generational trauma is like when people in a family lineage continue to, take what was done to them and because they don't feel well within themselves and they haven't done the work to heal it, they then project that onto the next uh, child, one of their children. And then that children child does it to their children and so on. That's what I would call generational uh, trauma. I think it's compounding, right? Um, I think it, it sort of accumulates, if you will, for like, I look at it as me as someone who has broken that pattern of generational trauma um, Having to heal not only my own trauma that was inflicted upon me, but also the traumas of those above me my dad, my grandpa, my great grandpa, my great great grandpa because they hadn't actually done the work to heal it and they just projected it onto the next child. Mm. So it's the person who stops it, not to toot my own horn here, but takes on a lot of guilt and shame from other people and also from their own actions they may have committed prior to healing their own trauma and right. has to really alchemize and do a lot of uh, individual healing work um, to get to the bottom of, of who and what we are individually, right? Mm-hmm. And to understand that those things that were done to you were not a reflection of you at all, um, but they're also done for your betterment if you make it that way. I look at all of the things that happen to us in this life as catalysts, for for change and that could be something that catalyzes you to be go down a darker path if you continue to perpetuate that or it could be something that if you heal it properly you can reflect back to it and say wow that taught me how not to be that taught me exactly like i look at my dad as the best possible teacher for me because i know exactly how not to be towards my son and my daughter and my and my wife
0: right Yeah. And that's so key, what you said, because, um, and you can really take, you can take that concept and apply it not only to your own personal um, or interpersonal relationships, but anybody out there that you see that is behaving badly, shall we say, to one degree or another, Mm -hmm. rather rather than being really Judgmental, negatively judging them because, you know, everybody's got their reasons for the way they behave. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can use that to go, you know what, that's a great demonstration and reminder to me of a way that I don't want to show up in the world.
1: Yeah. 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 I mean, even to a certain degree, like these nefarious actors like Bill Gates, uh, mm-hmm. Dr. Fauci, Klaus Schwab.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: They, they, the, the things that they are doing are extremely harmful to humanity without a doubt, yeah. but it's like we can look at them and say, wow, this gives me the, the depth of the darkness so that I can make an actual conscious decision for myself. Like, okay, do I want to go down this path? Cause I see the depth of that, but I also see the depth of light over here. And right. then within my own, you know, things that have been impressed upon me, uh, even prior to this lifetime, like what we are, our, our soul impresses us into this body, right? How we actually function and the quirks that we have, our personality, we make a conscious decision to choose one or the other or the spectrum in between. We have to have both so that we can make an authentic choice.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I, I think that, um, but there's so many people that aren't conscious. So, yeah. so so, that's the thing, you know, we do need to make the conscious decision, the conscious choice, but I'm hoping that the extreme actions that are going on right now are going to have the effect of waking up a lot more people that are sort of asleep at the wheel, uh, you know because it's hard to make a new choice if you don't understand that you've been subconsciously making your choices all along. A lot yeah. of people, you know, what I mean it's hard for people to, to um well, I mean, let's just call it like it is. People don't like to take responsibility for their station in life and where they're at. There's yeah. there's a, you know, a there's literally a pandemic of victimhood going on right now, I would say.
1: That for sure and I think uh, it's it's also Uh, Sorry to interrupt you. Um, I I think it's that, but it's, it's also self-identifying with all of these labels and titles, these groups, us versus them. Mm -hmm. And when you attach yourself to those titles and labels, you cover up what you are fundamentally. Right. And when you cover up and you add, and you, you, you become these things. I am a chief sports fan, I am a army captain, I am this, I'm a Republican, I'm a Democrat, like all those labels that you add on top of each other, you begin self identifying (laughs) with those labels instead of Mm -hmm. I am a man, or I am a woman. And I have a soul that was created by God that has been impressed into this body. And I am representing a man or a woman in this lifetime. And you approach it from that position, you have an understanding of who and what you are fundamentally then you're more easily mm-hmm. able to navigate this. And then you're conscious of your position uh, and your relation to other people, to to the earth, to to nature, to animals, to plants, to whatever else. You have an understanding mm-hmm. of how you are supposed to uh, live in harmony in an in inter- interdependent fashion with your environment.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I'm really glad you said that because you're right. I'm a firm believer I mean, everything that I think and do and put forth always really comes from a very spiritual basis. Uh, if If you don't have that spiritual basis, then you're you're kind of at the mercy of of whatever, you know, is going to take hold of you. At, at the time, and and pull you in a certain direction, and so on that note, I think I'm a firm believer that whatever you follow up with the words "I am," that that is what you're going to you're going to create experiences based on that, and I think you're right. There's a lot of confusion or just lack of thought uh, put into. I am one of those many things that you mentioned, which really is—you um, will become that then. But it's so limiting because it's really not what you are. It's what you do, it's what you think, it's what you believe. It's nothing to do with what you actually are. It, it's not the truth of your being. It's—it's exactly. it's just your conditioning and what you've decided to do and and think and believe in the world. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Interesting. For, for me, that's what you know, before I had done any trauma healing, Mm
0: -hmm. that's
1: what got me through. I was always looking for the thing to sort of prop up because I didn't know who I was fundamentally. So I was, I am a West Point cadet. I am Mm -hmm. an army officer. I am, you know, a professional athlete at one point in time, like these labels that I was self-identifying with to a certain degree for a little bit, they carried me through because as I was identifying as I am a West Point cadet, What is a West Point Cadet like? Okay, West Point Cadet, it follows the cadet honor code, is a very honorable person, is a great leader. And those things helped Mm -hmm. carry me through, but I was still Mm -hmm. self-identifying with something else. And I was still externalizing my self-worth with that identity, not having actual self-worth internally, right? And
0: it wasn't until
1: I healed my trauma that I had this (laughs) sort of freak out moment one day, actually sitting, uh, in, in like in this room down the hallway, actually, um, we were, we were here two and a half, three years ago. And, uh, I had this moment, of like I was doing a lot of childhood trauma healing. Um, and I had a freak out moment, like, Oh my God, I don't know who I am. Like I was bawling my eyes out. Like I have no clue who I am, no idea. Mm -hmm. And it was a very much like a dark night of the soul, Mm -hmm. two, three, four months. And, Mm -hmm. um, within that same experience, I kind of like came to after I cried for a while, there's multiple (laughs) days of crying, but after I cried, I I realized like, wow, I am who I make myself. Like I, I get to now decide who I am, like what I am, like fundamentally, I get to find out who I am and start living and representing that authentically.
0: Yeah. And it's so important. I mean, that those three or four months of your, your, your dark night of the soul experience was Obviously, what you needed to uh, sort of undo everything mm-hmm. that you thought you were, yeah, so that you could be open to finding the the truth of who you are and mm-hmm. what you are. Yeah. Um, and I and it's so important too because you know that's such a common thing for so many people to, you know, place their value, their self worth, and basically who they are, define themselves by things that they do by their role or their you know career their job uh, you know by s- something that they do um and then when they lose that it, it, they're lost they don't know then what their value is because it's all been it's all been placed on something external uh it's all been based on something you know that really isn't anything to do with The truth of who they are. And that's where a lot of people run into that. You know, that's where a lot of people that retire that have been, you know, doing the same thing for decades and decades. And then all of a sudden they don't have that position anymore. And you have a lot of midlife crisis happening and a a lot of lost souls going, now what? Who am I? Why am I here? What's my value? You
1: know, I noticed that quite a bit when I was still in the Mm -hmm. army at the very beginning of COVID when we had to go into lockdown for three or four weeks, we didn't have to like show up to work. We were doing everything from home. We were basically shut down and we had like a, a group chat between me and the classmates that I had. I was at a class for the army at the time, like a six month course. And all my classmates were like, Oh my God, I'm getting so bored. I don't know what to do with myself. This is horrible, blah, 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 blah. And for me, although I hated, like, I hate lockdown and the the purpose and intent behind it lockdown was fine for right. me because i'm not i don't, like i don't i self identify with work i'm able to do other things because i am fundamentally not my job you know
0: yeah yeah exactly yeah there's uh that's been an interesting it's been a whole interesting process this whole what's going on you know everything that's tied in with lockdowns and we're going to we're going to come back around to that i'm going to put a pin in it for a minute i want to um I wanna ask, so back to back to the generational trauma, before we move on, just, you know, a little bit about, so that we can kind of connect the dots, your, like a little bit about your experience, your mom's, you know, how the medical systems made things worse. Uh, and then basically, you know, maybe some of those first steps to, how did you recognize things and start turning things around so that we can help listeners that may be in that same space?
1: Absolutely. So I've, I've gotten pretty good at distilling this because it's, uh, it it was so chaotic and so like, there's so many jumbled up pieces, but I've, Mm -hmm. I've I've gotten pretty good at this because I've been asked to share it so many times. So I I grew up, uh, in a very, very chaotic household as a child, very chaotic, very abusive, very tense all the time. Like when's the next shoe going to drop? When's the next fight going to be? Um, my dad was repeating patterns of generational trauma and abuse, and my mom was very codependent. So she was more focused on fixing my dad and focused on like finding her self-worth in him, uh, and, in the love that she did or did not receive from him. And then she was on, on parenting us because myself and my siblings were harmed by the relationship as well. My dad was very physically abusive emotionally abusive verbally abusive spiritually abusive every form of abuse um and and again he was just repeating patterns right mm-hmm. his dad was the same way his dad's dad was the same way there's a lot of extramarital affairs uh in my parents relationship sorry you probably hear my son screaming in the
0: background it's all good it's real life <laughs> but,
1: yeah it's real life um i am a dad so i apologize if you hear my kids so anyway that That experience for me was, like I said, just very, very chaotic. Um, And I was made to feel like I was a piece of shit because my dad was sort of taking his internal, you know, he didn't feel good about himself and projecting that onto me. And it was now in hindsight, in a roundabout way, because he did love me and he wanted me to succeed so much and be better than he was, that he was so fucking hard on me. When I say hard on me, I mean, he was my basketball coach for my, you know, club like summer basketball team that I played for from sixth grade all the way to 10th or 11th grade. And in sixth grade, I played bad in the game and he, I mean, like he would grab me by my shirt and like headbutt me a little bit and say, get your fucking head in the game. You fucking pussy like that constantly. Um, And, and yeah. And then if I played bad and there's one time I played bad and I was 12 years old and he said mm-hmm. that I wasn't worthy to be a Zek and I wasn't worried to, worthy to have that last name. And he didn't speak to me the rest of the night. In eighth grade, I played horribly in a game and he got in my face in front of my teammates back at the hotel room. And I was always scared to mess up. And I was always like, okay, I am a basketball player. That's what I have to be. And if I don't do well at that, then I'm nothing. And I was mm-hmm. there was so much pressure to be that mm-hmm. that I always fucked up. I was always like, sure. I, like I was when I was good. I was good. It was all predicated on whether like I hit my first shot in the game. If I hit my first shot, I was going to score 40 points. If I missed my first shot, I would look over at the bench, my dad, and he'd be like, get your fucking head in the game. And then I was just like tense, like scared to mess up. And anyway, and this is the worst example, but in in eighth grade, I was 14 and my dad, uh, I played really bad in a game against this team from Florida and um, got back to the hotel room. And my dad, You know, got in my face, basically calling me all those names that I'd I'd already said. Don't want to have to repeat that too much. Um, But I kind of like stood back up to him and said, like, I'm not I'm not that. And then he proceeded to beat the shit out of me in front of my teammates. So it was it was very, very, very traumatic. And it wasn't just like physical. It was verbal, emotional. It was was all of it. Right. Yeah. Sort of the physical stuff started to stop or began to stop uh, once I got old enough and I could fight back a little bit. But then I also carried this rage inside of me that like the entirety of the time that I was in college, if I would go out with my friends and one dude would just like look at my friend the wrong way, that was my way of, I would, I would use that moment to, to fight, someone then and take out my anger. And I would, it was under the guise right. of, Oh, I'm standing up for my friends. And it's like, dude, all he did was push me. you don't need to headbutt him. Like it's like,
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. And so I had a, little a lot reacting. of reacting. Yeah. A little, yeah. And would that was the excuse, right? Like I would let things boil up inside of me. Cause I didn't know how to deal with my own emotions. Cause I was always taught, taught to stuff them down and just stop being a quote, fucking pussy the whole yeah. time, you know? And, uh, I, I always just stuffed it down and it would get to a boiling point where I would, if something would happen, I would get in a fist fight. And Mm -hmm. that's how I handled my emotions. You know, I was very emotionally chaotic myself. And luckily I went to West point and I was, and that was like a blessing in disguise that my dad was so abusive and so, uh, tough on me is that I was smart because I was forced to get good grades. So Mm -hmm. I got good enough grades to go to West point. But when my dad went to rehab around when I was 14, my mom, because of the trauma that she had experienced, uh, went to go see a psychiatrist. And again, like growing up in that household, you can imagine like some of those same things, the emotional, the, the manipulation happening to my mom, um, had so much trauma, so much trauma and went to go see a psychiatrist. And we believe these psychiatrists were the experts that were practicing evidence-based medicine and that they knew best. And all the psychiatrist did was prescribe her multiple benzodiazepines and SSRIs label her, label her as bipolar and, and depressed. Right. And over the course of basically for me from age 14 through age 23 ish, my mom can her health continued to spiral and get worse and worse and worse. And it was so bad because we thought in the up moments that the drugs were working, we we're like, Oh my God, yeah. the drugs are working. And then the down moments. And mm-hmm. when I say down moments for her, like not only do I have that experience with my dad, right. My mom, who's yep. somewhat ne- been neglectful. And she would, she would acknowledge that her, uh, throughout my adolescence. Cause she was more focused on fixing my dad. And then because these psych drugs now she's like not mentally present at all because in her down moments, and there were a lot of them for like weeks on end. She would be hallucinating, not leaving her room. And when I say hallucinating, thinking that I was her dad and I'd be holding her and that she was her 13 year old self again, um, in wow. and out of mental hospitals, multiple suicide attempts. It was very dark. It was extremely dark. And I almost left West point when I was a junior because it was, it was, it was awful. It was, it was awful. And I uh, thank, thank God I didn't know, but in 2016, Right when I was graduating from West Point, my mom found Dr. Kelly Brogan by chance because she was going to see a therapist at the time. And Kelly's book, A Mind of Your Own, had just released a month prior to. And this therapist approached my mom. uh, in one of her moments that she was mentally present was like, hey, I highly recommend going to check this lady out. I think she could really help you. And then so Mm -hmm. my mom booked an appointment with Dr. Kelly Brogan. And when she approached us with that at this time, my sister, my brother and I, and my dad were already discussing long-term care facilities for my mom. We were like, okay, we gotta, we gotta find a, a place to put her up, like institutionalize her, or we're going to lose, lose her to suicide. My siblings and I were already having conversations like this is, we cannot get too close to her. We're not going to get the old mom back. Cause we had already gone through the ringer of, oh my God, her up moments. She's back again yeah, a month yeah. later darkness again. And just like that up and down, up and down, up and down all the time. Right. And it was a really big reflection of my childhood. Cause like right. there was already so much tension and like, you didn't know when my dad was going to come home pissed off or not. You never knew.
0: Yeah. So and she was probably what in her forties maybe by. Yeah. So my
1: mom's 50 now. So she was like 45, 45. Yeah, so,
0: I mean, that's really young to be thinking about putting somebody in an institution. Yeah. That's sad. Yeah.
1: It was, it was, it was really sad. And then by by chance again found dr kelly brogan because that therapist had recommended to go see her and my mom went to go see kelly and remember kelly is supposedly a quote pseudoscientific quack that spreads oh, misinformation yeah. uh-huh. um practices an ex- extreme holistic health approach um and
0: like that's kelly, a bad thing
1: <laughs> i know it's it's just so twisted and kelly you know she told my mom you're not depressed you're not bipolar." these drugs are making your symptoms worse. You have trauma that you haven't healed or dealt with that is stored in your body, that is stored in your psyche. You need to look at food in a completely different way. Look at it as a form of medicine in and of itself. Um, start doing coffee in a muzz, which was very shocking to me. And I now I'm a huge fan, uh, oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> but
1: um, yeah, it was in, in becoming more mindful in, 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 and yeah. in your approach that way. And so In a matter of four to six months, my mom began healing all of her, all healing and reversing all of her symptoms, and we were seeing a side of her we hadn't seen in years, in years, right? And a lot of that trauma began to resurface because there's a lot of trauma healing involved. So, like, there's more to the story that I don't necessarily need to get into. But my my dad um, went into another cycle of shame, and he also had started making a lot more money at the time that my mom starts healing this trauma. Mm -hmm. So they're no longer together. Some events have happened and some more things. He, he started repeating a little bit more patterns. And, um, I just understand that it's because he never healed any of his trauma, right? Like yeah. that's, I fully get that despite the things that he's done. And I, I love my dad. He's the only dad that I'll have. And he's been the greatest teacher for me of how not to be right. But anyway, when my mom began healing, tons of cognitive dissonance for me. Cause I'm like, how did these doctors that she was with for years, not know anything. They're supposed to be the experts. Like what, like, how is this one who's supposed to be crazy and pseudoscientific that's being featured on Joe Rogan that everyone's on is in the comments is calling her a nut. Like, I'm like, this is, this doesn't make sense. And we, my wife who I just gotten married to at the time, nine years prior was diagnosed with lupus and rheumatoid arthritis and after we saw my mom completely reverse her symptoms and heal we were like let's try the same with you and she was on multiple immunosuppressive drugs rheumatologists told her that she was going to just have to live this way for the rest of her life she's probably gonna have a shorter lifespan she's gonna be bedridden later on in her life she's gonna be chronically inflamed forever these drugs could help the symptoms but those also created more symptoms of other things which led to being on psych drugs just a never-ending spiral and we tried the same approach given to us by this quote, pseudoscientific quack. And my (laughs) wife reversed all of her symptoms in four to six months and was off all of her medication for her autoimmune conditions. And we went to go see a rheumatologist. And I think the most shocking thing was that he was not like curious. He was not like inquisitive at all. He wasn't like, huh, please tell me more. We were just, she was just like, yeah, you know, I've, sort of cleaned up the way that I eat and become more mindful and started healing some of my trauma and I don't feel like I need these drugs anymore and and she had blood levels to reflect that right like her inflammation yeah. levels and in her or inflammation levels in her blood reflected that and this rheumatologist was just kind of like oh, okay like didn't really it was just
0: is not that mind-boggling like yeah
1: it was it was very 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 mind-boggling and it, it, it was just like so much shock to me seeing these two people that I love so much completely reverse their symptoms and like the presentation of of illness one via the Mm -hmm. mental side one via the physical side and like all of them are intertwined but the point is it it was it was so shocking because I've always been taught to that doctors know best I mean I grew up taking z-packs for uh zithromycin for for strep throat and and like constantly using antibiotics and like I didn't really give a shit about nutrition I thought like I remember my strength and conditioning coach for, for my basketball team growing up was like, yeah, just go get a big pizza after, after we lift because <laughs> yeah, that's good to get load. those carbs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <I'm> like,
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the and, and luckily I, I
1: had, I was young, so I had good detox pathways and whatnot, but it, but then I had this new approach to health and like, I didn't view myself as unhealthy. I was 23 years old and I was like, okay, like I feel fine, but like, because my wife is eating this way, my mom's eating this way. And I see them starting to do these things. I'm going to start trying them too. And I didn't realize how sick I was de- despite yeah, the like yeah. physical, like I look like a really athletic dude. And <laughs> once I started eating healthy and really reapproaching, uh, or I guess readjusting how I approach my health. Mm-hmm. Um, it's when I would eat one of those things, I would like be like, Oh my God. Like I did. I used to feel like this all the time. This is, this is nuts to me. So it, The trauma healing for me, though, didn't really start until late 2017, early 2018. I had just gotten into this program in the Army called the U.S. Army World Class Athlete Program, where if you're on a U.S. national team for an Olympic sport, you get to do that full time in the Army. And so I had the opportunity to do that. And remember, I was like, I'm the West Point graduate. I am the Mm -hmm. I'm the Army lieutenant. I am now a professional athlete while serving in the army, like the coolest thing ever. And th- those are cool things, but that's who I was. And that's what always propped me up. I was always finding ways to prop myself up because up I didn't know who I was mm-hmm. starting this path with the nutrition side of things for sure, which, and then started researching obsessively on the pharmaceutical industry and, and what have you, um, started looking into some of the more metaphysical, spiritual, uh, aspects of, of health at the time, but had not done any trauma healing yet. When I went to Germany and I was by myself playing professional handball and I was like the only American on the team, everyone else was German. I felt very alone and isolated. Uh, And I was back in a situation again because my dad had started doing some things again and it started bringing up some of that trauma that I had just stuffed down from when I was younger, like almost identically. Uh, And then I was playing on a team where I was probably the worst player on the team. So I was already scared to mess up because everyone else that was on the professional team that I was on had been playing since they were little kids. And i had only been playing the sport for six years at this point. Mm-hmm. And so all of those traumas were resurfacing again. It was like a direct reflection of when I was younger playing an AU basketball team, scared to mess up, like the same chaotic environment happening back home, like literally the exact same thing again. And I was forced, like I had no other choice because I just had time on my hands. I could either like like find an addiction and repeat really harmful patterns or turn inward. And I think it was what pulled me through was seeing how my dad was and seeing how miserable he was, but also the fact that I was an honorable West Point cadet. I was these things. And I was like, I can't do those bad things and harm myself more. I have to, I'm like forced to look inward, right? Yeah. And that was a lot of... Uh, EFT like tapping like meridian Mm -hmm. tapping a lot of journaling a lot of reparenting myself by like getting into a deep meditative state and going back to that little boy that I needed to like (laughs) in parenting the way that I needed to be parented at that time like Mm -hmm. going back to those events even some of the ones I described and being the person that I needed at that time to tell me that like hey you are not a piece of shit you are not a pussy Mm -hmm. you are not Mm -hmm. fucking like unworthy you are you are you are inherently worthy. You are perfect. I love you. And like, it it, it was. Yeah. So you reframed
0: the whole, you reframed it all. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So when you reframe it, I I do a lot of that too, with, with a lot of my clients, when you reframe something and you're Mm -hmm. able to apply a new meaning to it, then you generate different thoughts about it, which means you generate different emotions.
1: When, when these traumas started resurfacing, because my dad again was acting very similarly to how he did when I was younger and I'd sort of just stuffed those under the rug never talk about them and like I'd always had this like awkwardness between my dad because we just stuffed those down and pretended that they didn't happen and didn't ever talk about them he never apologized never made amends just like acted like everything was normal and now he's doing some more behaviors that are resurfacing those i had a period of time where i was like i f- I'm sorry, excuse my language. I I fucking hate that motherfucker. Like I I like hated him. And I was like, if I see him, I'm, I'm going to fucking hit him. If I see him, like it's going to, I'm going to, I'm going to hit him. Mm -hmm. And it, I needed to release those emotions though. And understand like the reason I felt so offended by them and granted, like I was a victim. I was victimized when I was younger, no question, but I was still carrying some of that victim mentality because i was self identifying internally with those things that he said that i was that i was a piece of shit that i was a, which i which is why i always needed things to prop myself up i needed to be the west point cadet the west point graduate the army officer went to the best public institution in the united states well, like i needed to have all those things because mm-hmm. internally i felt i was self identifying with the things that he told me i was yeah, yeah. right and once i sort of healed those those attachments, right. And really understood who and what I was, that I was inherently worthy, that I was a good person, that I was loving, that I was love expressing itself. That's when I really began to understand that, Oh my God, he's, he's doesn't actually believe that I'm those things. He believes that he's those things, which is why he's doing that. It's like yeah. me, when I would get in fights at the at bars, like I would like put it under the guise of oh, I'm doing this because I'm sticking up for my friends. When in reality, I was projecting onto other people, the anger that I was carrying inside myself. And it's just, he's doing the exact same thing. He's doing the exact same thing that I was doing because he's never healed himself. And I came to that realization. there's also a lot of wrestling with like, when I, when I had my son um, in 2017, I remember like a moment uh, looking at him and I don't know if I texted my dad or or just said it or thought it in my head. But I thought like seeing this thing that I've created, I don't know how the fuck I could ever do some of the things that my dad did to me. Like I there's just no way. And I don't know. I think it's just a combination of all those things that I went to West Point that, you know, I was never in golden handcuffs to my dad, like never owed him anything because he didn't pay for my school. I didn't owe him anything. Like he didn't give me anything. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I just, it was a combination of things that I, I broke, I broke the pattern. I think some of, some of us are just called to, but it's also by our own conscious decisions. I could have gone down the dark path. I could be cheating on my wife. I could be abusing my kids. I could be doing those same things, but I made conscious choices to do the fucking hard work to heal myself. And also to do the hard work, to not give a shit what other people think about me, as long as I'm living and operating from a position of love and compassion and understanding for where other people are coming from. I think mm-hmm. like those two things that really happened in again, 2018, leading into 2019, that, that transformed me on a whole nother level. Mm-hmm. Cause I, so- I don't care what people think. And I, and I, and I approached my life in a completely different way than I was before
0: yeah, so this is all a relatively in the big scheme of things, a relatively recent transformation that you've gone through. This is only in the For past sure. few years. yeah, interesting. Yeah. I want to um, ask a little bit about the role that um, gaslighting and narcissism played in in this because I think that's going to be the you know, the connective tissue to some of what the masses are dealing with now.
1: Okay. So I can bring up a couple instances when I was younger, I don't remember much of the gaslighting. And I mean, obviously there's abuse, right. And it was coming from, I don't like labels to things, but like a narcissistic, abusive environment, right. Narcissistically abusive environment. I mean, even the course that I took that was so transformational for me was, uh, all about healing narcissistic abuse and codependency. Um, and that was in 2000, early 2019. It was from, uh, Tammy Joyce, who is, uh, phenomenal human being but anyway one instance for sure that i remember is my my dad this is a moment where he was he was beating the shit out of me when i was younger and my sister uh said if you guys don't stop i'm gonna call the police my mom again because she was so codependent and so concerned with fixing my dad and she would completely uh what's it called? Disassociate. She would disassociate and just like sit in the corner. So like my mom's sitting in the corner, bawling her eyes out, not doing anything. My dad's beating the shit out of me. My siblings are both crying. My sister's like, I'm going to call the cops if you don't stop. We didn't stop. Uh, Cause I was trying to like wrestle them off me and fight back a little bit, but I was 14 at the time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and my sister called the cops and the cops came over and the cops come inside and they initially had my dad in handcuffs and they start taking pictures of the like bruising on me and then my dad's going you see look at me too though look at me like he was fighting me back blah 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 blah. and then my mom because she's so codependent comes down talks to the cops I don't know what was said but I do know that like I'm pretty sure my mom talked the cops out of it right like like oh it was it was both of them like it wasn't you know what I mean yeah Yeah. and then next day at school cops have to come take pictures of like the bruise all over my body and CPS called my mom, they didn't take me away or anything. But the the point is, that was an example of like, I was being abused by my father. And yes, I was fighting back, of course, of course. But he flipped it when the cops came that I was the one or like, somehow it was both of us. It wasn't that big of a deal.
0: You were wrong, too.
1: Yeah, I was wrong, too. You were wrong,
0: too. And And, and that's what I Go ahead. There's
1: more. So, so later on, in like the experience that's happened these last four years ish, my mom, as she began dealing with a lot of the trauma that she had experienced before and healing the emotions behind that, and there's a lot of it, right? Um, mm-hmm. She she uh, had a few more episodes of of feeling pretty messed up, and actually, she had one more suicide attempt. She did. She had one more suicide attempt, mm-hmm. um, but. My dad, I think just because he had so much shame that he was dealing with still, uh, and he had a lot of money that he had accumulated at this point in time for the first time in my entire life, at least. Um, He started using the money in ways not that were sketchy, but that were like he would go to Vegas and spend thousands of dollars and like do things like that and like started having, bringing back some of the old behaviors that he had previous to rehab. And um, there was a lot of weird things happening. Then, you know, it turns out that he was having an affair with another woman behind my mom's back again. But the whole time he was telling us that we were crazy because we noticed signs that were direct reflection of the past. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. And we would
1: bring them up. I mean, even one example, I I texted him and I was like, I don't know what you're doing, but I can tell something is wrong. Like I can just tell I can, the energy is the same as it was before. I can just tell. And he was like, how dare you blah, 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 blah. Like I can't believe you to insinuate that. And then when we find out what's going on, it was like very clear that he was manipulating us and gaslighting us to believe that my mom was crazy and fucked up. And don't get me mo- Don't get me wrong. My mom was in a dark place again for a little bit healing some of that trauma. And it's not, like that she was crazy. She had trauma that she had to heal without question. And I think he just had too much shame over what he had caused that was coming to the surface again, uh, that he, he started coping in a, in a toxic way and yeah. then he felt more shame. And so he had to like, you know, put it back on us and, and like get us to believe that like, there's a, there's a period of time that we stopped talking to my mom because we believe she was crazy and there's even a small period that we're like, oh my God, maybe she does have to be institutionalized again. Mm-hmm. But it was because she was being gaslighted and manipulated because he yeah. was lying to her as well. And then it wasn't yeah. until we realized that that we were like, oh my God, I didn't even know what the term gaslighting was. <laughs> but yeah, then I looked yeah. it up and I'm like, 100% what was happening to me.
0: Right. Yeah. That And that is what is so interesting because, y- you know, gaslighting and narcissistic behavior is such a it's such a tricky abuse. it's 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 not something, you know, it's not physical abuse. it's it's such a mind fuck abuse. yes. and if you are not familiar with it, number one, or if you're you know, not super emotionally fit yourself, it's very easy to become a victim of somebody else's uh you know efforts for gaslighting and and narcissistic behavior Uh, well it, it it
1: even continued though after um like after we discovered what was going on he kind of said like you know hey i promise i'll change i promise this won't be the way it is and i like this for me i was old enough to remember what happened when i was younger my siblings were a little bit younger at the time back then i'm i'm the oldest and for me, I didn't take that at face value. I was like, okay, we'll see if you change, like, we'll see. And I set a hard boundary and nothing really changed. And I went three, three years now without talking to my dad. And I've just reconnected with him recently. And we talk a little bit and like we communicate and I love him. He's my dad. And it's also because I've healed so much of that. And I know it's not about me. It's like not about me whatsoever. He's the only dad I have. I don't want to get, you know, 20, 25 years from now and get to a point where like, damn, I haven't spoken to my dad in 30 years. And like, if it's not harming me anymore and I, I know the game,
0: you know, right, then yes. whatever,
1: then I know how to approach the game. Yeah, And yeah. so, yeah, I just wanted to add that little two cents in.
0: No, But that's really important because that's the thing, because so many people have a relationship with somebody, whether it's a, a spouse or a parent mm-hmm. or, you know, or somebody that you care about, a good friend, and and they are those people. But as long as you don't have to cut them out of your life, I mean you can if you want to, but there's a lot of people you don't want to cut out of your life. You gotta set and boundaries to, though. Yeah, you've gotta set boundaries and you've got you gotta to know how them. to, like you say, play the game and yep. and remove yourself emotionally from it. And yep. and then accept them the way they are as long as it's not doing any harm. There, to you. There's
1: there's a difference too between accepting and enabling.
0: Yeah. Yes. Like
1: I accept the government for the way that it is. I accept the pharmaceutical industry for the way that it is. I'm not trying to petition or plead to them to change. I'm not trying to petition or plead to my dad to change. I did that forever. Right. And it didn't work. It actually made it worse. Right. I was, I was getting caught up in my energy, hoping that they would change. Mm
0: -hmm. It's the
1: same way that I approach this. I'm not petitioning the government to change. I don't think the government's going to change because I don't think the government realizes that what it's doing is wrong. I think it believes that what it's doing is best. Pharmaceutical industry, same way. I don't know, maybe some people at the top, but the point is, Mm -hmm. um, I don't think they're going to change. I know the game. I accept them for the way that they are, but I'm not going to enable them to continue doing what they do. And for me, that includes, I'm not going to seek out an exemption for anything that's going on, I'm going to stand firm authentically as I am. Right. And say, no, I'm not playing in your system. That's not how this works. I can approach you in certain ways in a relationship with you, so mm-hmm. to speak. But I'm not, I'm not it's going to be on my terms. I'm setting a boundary as mm-hmm. a as a sovereign, as a free human being.
0: Right. Yeah. I totally agree with that. And I think you're right. I mean, you have to look at it as you're not gonna. I mean when you're talking about an entity like the government or an entity like the pharmaceutical industry an entity like the the medical field the medical industry they're they're I call all them the of medical these establishment That's... establishment yeah so all of these establishments and entities are still a collective of people mm. some of them well-meaning good-hearted think oh, they're yeah. doing the best but some uh are just full of you know greed and, and nefarious behavior you in you know, so you're right. You're not going to change those entities or those establishments because we can't change other people. We can only change ourselves and the way that we're going to show up in life and the way that we're going to respond to what's being, you know, put forth in front of us.
1: I just had a realization on this actually for the first time ever. So, my dad, because he had accumulated a lot of wealth, a few of my best friends growing up worked for him. And once I like, cut my dad off and set a boundary, he would use my friends, like, like reel them in more with money. Right. And like to turn them against me in a way. And I knew what he was doing. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was me trying to like convince my friends and like, tell them like, you're so fucked up for going like along with my dad that actually made them made it worse. It made them want to go towards my dad's more rather Mm -hmm. than letting them come to that understanding on their own terms Yep. And maybe they won't ever come to that understanding, but like rather than having acceptance for like their inability to see, because that's what's so it's the same thing that's happening now. It's so nefarious about narcissistic abuse um, and manipulation and gaslighting is that on the surface, it can appear so normal and so good, like on the surface, like growing up, all my basketball teammates that like didn't know me on a, on a, on a deep level and come over to my house. Uh, most of my basketball teammates were from the inner city. They were like, "Oh, you're a rich white boy that gets whatever you want. You live in the suburbs." But then the ones that would come over to my house and see, they're like, "Bro, like, <laughs> yeah. you may live in a nice area, but fuck, like, you don't get shit from your like you. Your dad gives you shit, like, in another way, like, you, right? You know right. what I mean? Yeah. Um, and it was the same thing with this, right? Like, same thing with this new situation that happened in 2017. It was like on the surface it's like it looked and it's so easy to craft a narrative especially when people are tied to you financially it's it's literally the same thing same exact thing as what's happening right now same thing yeah
0: yeah Okay, we are out of time, you guys. So make sure that you come back next week and check out part two of my chat with Alex Zek. Um, Hit the subscribe button if you haven't already done so so that you don't miss any of the good shift being shared here. And we would love it if you would give us a five-star rating and review. That inspires other people to come and check out what we are talking about here. Until next week, stay feisty, my friends. Stay healthy. And go make some epic shift happen in your lives. And that goes for you too, Gary Vee.